everybody, it's Matt. Welcome or welcome back to the Journey Church Podcast. If you haven't yet, be sure to subscribe to this podcast so you automatically get our weekly episodes. And you might want to subscribe to our Journey Callaway YouTube channel as well. You'll find messages, music, interviews, inspiring stories, and more for you right there. The difference between people who live their life and people who leave a legacy with their life really is one word. It's the word commitment. All of us want to one day look back on a life well lived, but a life well lived requires both wisdom and intentionality. You need the wisdom to know what matters most in life and then the intentionality to prioritize those values and decisions day after day after day. I've told you my goal for this series is just to guide and encourage you to make and keep those choices and commitments that are going to enable you to live life well. And last week, we discovered it starts with answering this question. What breaks your heart? What is the thing that is so emotional to you that you just can't escape it? What's that issue or that problem that grabs you and it just won't let you go? What is the thing that makes you go, somebody's got to do something about that? Now, you may not know the answer yet to what breaks your heart, but you need to keep asking the question, Because what breaks your heart may just be what breaks God's heart too. And when you find the answer to that, it might just lead you to the life of meaning and purpose and significance that God created you to live. So last week we began exploring what this looked like in the life of Nehemiah. Nehemiah was serving as a cupbearer to King Artaxerxes, the king of Persia. For him, life was good, but his heart was broken when he learned about the condition of his Jewish people back in Jerusalem. While he was living in comfort, they were living in misery. Walls of Jerusalem were broken down. The gates were destroyed. They didn't have any protection. They didn't have any support. And Nehemiah refused to ignore that just to protect his own comfort. He let his heart be broken so badly that in his journal he wrote, For some days I mourned and fasted and prayed before the God of heaven. It would have been a lot easier just to ignore that news and keep enjoying his life. But Nehemiah knew he couldn't do that. His heart was being broken by divine design. And so he started asking God what he should do. And God made clear to him, what he makes clear to all of us when our hearts are broken. Listen, praying is good, but it's not enough to pray. God breaks our hearts so that we'll pray and act. Nehemiah did more than just pray and hope things would get better in Jerusalem. Nehemiah got involved. But as we're about to see, that involvement required some sacrificial commitment. Now, it's clear that Nehemiah knew exactly what it was going to cost him to do something about the condition of his fellow Jews because Here's part of what he recorded for us that he prayed. He prayed to God and said, Give your servant success today by granting him favor in the presence of this man. What man? Well, he tells us when he adds this detail. He says, I was cupbearer to the king. See, Nehemiah realized, I've been praying about this for months now, but now is the time to act. I have been concerned, but now I've got to be involved. But Nehemiah realized that involvement to do what he thought he was supposed to do, what might cost him everything. He realized... I'm going to have to walk into the king's chambers and I'm going to have to make a life or death request. See, in that world, the king asked you to do things. You didn't ask the king to do things for you. So to approach the king without being summoned by him, to bring something to his attention without getting permission, well, that was taking your life in your own hands. And so here Nehemiah has gone from being an exile in the land to building this extraordinary successful life there in Persia. He has made it to the top. He's got a great career. He's living in the best city. He's got plenty, but he is about to risk it all because of this one disturbing question that gripped his heart. Here's how Nehemiah says it went down. He wrote in his journal that in the month of Nisan, in the 20th year of King Artaxerxes, when wine was brought for the king, 
I took the wine, Nehemiah says, and I gave it to the king. And then he says, I hadn't been sad in his presence before, so the king asked me, well, why does your face look so sad when you're not ill? This can be nothing but sadness of heart. In other words, King Artaxerxes is like, whoa, whoa, Nehemiah, what's going on with you? Why are you so upset? And as I'm sure you could imagine, nobody walked into the king's presence upset. So Nehemiah writes, I was very much afraid, but I said to the king, may the king live forever. Why should my face not look sad? When the city where my ancestors are buried lies in ruins and its gates have been destroyed by fire. And then Nehemiah held his breath and he waited. He was about to find out. Had God answered his prayer and given him favor with the king? Or would this be the end? And Nehemiah writes that the king said to me, What is it you want? And then Nehemiah says, I prayed to the God of heaven. This is one of those really quick, God, please help me prayers. You ever done that? And Nehemiah says, I answered the king and said, if it pleases the king and if, your, uh, and if your servants found favor in his sight, let him send me to the city in Judah where my ancestors are buried so that I can rebuild it. Now, wait a minute. Nehemiah's asking the king to rebuild that city? I, this was such a bold request. After all, the reason Jerusalem's walls were still in ruins is because that meant the Jewish people posed no threat of revolt against King Artaxerxes. So now Nehemiah is challenging the very thing that was in the king's best interest. It was really easy for this to be seen as treason, and traitors didn't have a long shelf life in those days. But Nehemiah was so committed to acting on what broke his heart that he was willing to risk his own life. And so he held his breath and awaited his fate. And then Nehemiah writes, Then the king, with the queen sitting beside him, asked me, Well, how long will your journey take, and when will you get back? And it pleased the king to send me, so I set a time. And I think Nehemiah forgot to add there, and I started breathing again because there was so much drama and tension in the throne room that day. But here's what I love. Now that Nehemiah sees that God has granted him favor, he just keeps committing all the way. This is incredible. I want you to listen to what he does next. Nehemiah writes, I also said to the king, well, if it pleases the king, may I have letters to the governors of trans-Euphrates so that they'll provide me safe conduct until I arrive in Judah. In other words, once the king said, okay, you can go, he said, well, before I go, would you give me letters that protect me on my trip there? And then Nehemiah says, king, may I also have a letter to Asaph, keeper of your royal park, so he'll give me timber to make beams for the gates of the citadel by the temple and for the city wall and for the residency I will occupy. In other words, oh yeah, uh, king, one more thing. Would you mind paying for all the work we're about to do to restore Jerusalem's walls and gates when we get there? I mean, this was extraordinarily bold. But Nehemiah writes, because the gracious hand of my God was on me, the king granted my request. Now think about this. A pagan king paid for the restoration of the city of Jerusalem. But it wouldn't have happened unless Nehemiah paid the price and God honored his commitment. Now, let me explain why this is so important for you and me. One of the reasons beneath the surface that I think we resist asking this question, what breaks my heart? Well, it's because once you know what breaks your heart, it does require commitment that costs you something. You already know this, don't you? If you act on the answer to that question, it'll take a commitment of your time, your money, your energy, because commitment is the price that you pay to create positive change. Now, you can ignore the question and avoid all of that, but when you avoid the cost of commitment, you pay the cost of missing a life well-lived. 
One commitment, think about this, one commitment from Nehemiah changed the course of his entire life and the life of all the Jewish people. And one commitment that you make might just do the same thing for you. You are one commitment away from living a more significant life. You're one commitment away from making a significant difference with your life. You are one commitment away from experiencing a life well-lived. Maybe the reason you feel like your life isn't quite what it should be is simply because when God shows you what he wants you to do, you walk right up to the edge of your comfort zone, but you never step out of it. In other words, when it is going to cost you a little too much, you won't commit. You're too scared to pay the price. You're scared it might not work out. You're scared you might not have what it takes. Maybe you're scared of failing. You're scared of letting go of your dreams, your goals, your sense of control. Maybe you're scared it won't be worth it. Whatever it is, you just stop right there at the edge of extraordinary because you won't commit. But listen, you cannot experience a life well lived by camping in your comfort zone. Growth and change and meaning and purpose, they're always found across the border of what's comfortable for me. And when you're willing to take that step, that all in, whatever it takes kind of commitment of your time, your money, your energy, well, that's where you find the life you really want to live. You are one commitment away from living a more significant life and making a significant difference with your life. It is time to make the commitment. Listen, I know from experience the difference a commitment can make. Last week I shared that before we move into our new facility next Easter, we need to give $850,000 in order to be for the people who aren't here yet and finish this facility up. That is a gap we have to be able to pay for and finish up this building. And it's going to take some sacrificial generosity from all of us to make that happen. It really will, I'm just being honest, individually cost us if we're going to reach that goal. Because there is a difference between generosity and sacrificial generosity. Generosity says, well, how much extra do I have that I can give? There's nothing wrong with that. But at times, you need sacrificial generosity. And that says, what can I give up so I can give more? Can I give up that trip? Can I delay those purchases? Can I change that plan that I had? So I can give more to something else that makes a bigger difference. Well, that's the kind of generosity this is going to require out of us as a church. Now, for those of you who are newer around our church, and you may not know this about the leadership here, but I think it's important for you to know, I never have and our, our staff never has. I'll, I'll never ask you to do something I'm not willing to do. I, we'll never ask you to do something our staff isn't willing to do. As leaders... I believe I should always do as much or more than I'm asking of you. So I just want you to know Jen and I and the rest of our staff are participating in this new campaign just like we did in the last one. Jen and I have been praying about what can we give up so we can give more. Over the last two years, uh, Jen and I gave 10 months of my salary towards the facility in addition to what we regularly give to this church. And so we've been praying about it, and we're going to give another six months of my salary between now and January uh, to help finish the building. Now, I'm going to be honest with you. When we started praying about it, I was hoping for a smaller number. I mean, we just finished the amount before. We had a list of financial goals for this year that now we had a little margin. We were excited to accomplish. But after about two days of praying, uh, Jen looked at me one morning and she said, can we talk about something? And then she followed it up and said, I've been praying about this and God has blessed us so much with everything we have. What's some new furniture compared to somebody's life being changed? What's that fun trip we were going to take? compared to somebody experiencing God's grace. And then she said this. She said, after God's been so generous to us, how can we not be generous 
to reach other people. And so that pretty much sealed it, you know. We could spend some of that money on us, but a year from now, I'll be honest, it wouldn't matter to us nearly as much. Or we could sacrifice to give it, and we know this from experience because we've done it before. We will not regret it. We have never regretted a dollar we've invested in something bigger than ourselves. And what's ironic is we're better as a family because of the commitment that we made over the last two years, so I'm confident we'll be better because of the new commitment we're going to make. It's odd how God does that. So I hope you'll join us in making a sacrificial commitment because we can't do this on our own. I hope you're going to be ready to give big in the special offering we do next week. I hope you'll be willing to commit and participate to give between now and January. But here's what I know. Even if you don't, even if we can't finish the building, if we don't have enough funding, if, you know, even if we don't see so many people's lives changed, Jen and I know this, our lives are going to be changed because as a family we're choosing sacrificial generosity. God uses it in a powerful way. He's going to use this commitment to make our lives more meaningful. He always has, and he will this time too. And if I'm being honest, that's what I want most for you. You have no idea what hangs in the balance of your decision to make one significant commitment. Nehemiah could have prayed about the people there in Jerusalem, and he could have stayed comfortable in the king's palace. But he would not have experienced a life well lived, and you wouldn't even know who he was today. And I'm telling you, Nehemiah had no way of knowing that by restoring the city of Jerusalem, by making the sacrifices he made, he didn't know what was going to happen from that. He didn't know he was playing a part in preserving the nation of Israel and setting the stage for a moment 444 years later. Think about this. When Jesus walked through the gates that Nehemiah restored, and he walked up the southern stairs into the temple. And he declared himself the Messiah who had come to save his people from their sins. Nehemiah had no idea he was playing a small part in the purpose and the story of Jesus. And you have no idea who or what hangs in the balance of your decision either. I'm telling you, you're one commitment away from living a more significant life and making a significant difference with your life. So don't ignore what breaks your heart. Don't miss the moment because you won't leave the camp of your comfort. Do not hold back. It won't come without obstacles. It won't come without opposition. We'll talk more about that next week. But pay the price, sacrifice, because commitment is key to a life well lived. Let me pray for us. Father, thanks so much for Nehemiah and his willingness to give up his own personal comforts for the benefit people and he had no idea that we would directly be impacted by that decision that he was helping to restore a city where God in human flesh would show up and die and rise again for our sins in the same way we don't know whatever you're breaking our heart over we, we don't know what hangs in the balance of our decision to commit to that or not so would you help us to be willing to pay the price to sacrifice to commit and then use that commitment to change us, to change our families, but to change the people around us as well. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Hey, if you'd like more content like this, subscribe to our YouTube channel and download our Journey Calway app to access all of our recent message content. And our app is the easiest way to share this content with a friend. For more information on our church, be sure to visit journeycalway.com. That's journeycalway.com. Thanks for listening.